the perception of the people is Gunnar Gunny did enough to get the start week two in Tempe, Arizona against the Sun Devils. But in perception versus reality, does the film support our perception? You are locked on Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl-related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you for stopping by to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. You could be anywhere. So happy you choose to be here. We're available on every single podcasting platform at Visually as well on YouTube. You can find me personally on Twitter at AllDayOState. When you're talking about the film breakdown, we will talk about some of the things, obviously, in uh, segment number two defensively, but I didn't do a, a deep dive defensively because I got a pretty good gist of what was going on. And what is the common consensus between everybody right now is that the quarterback competition is obviously more real than people wanted to pretend and that Gunner Gunny did enough to get the start in Tempe, Arizona against the Sun Devils. So let's go ahead and break this thing down. We've got a uh, got us a, a few few pages of notes here on film, so we'll get right into it. Gunnar Gundy started off the game. Fourteen oh three mark, one read. Look off the safety to the left. Ball was out immediately to a slant route to John Stribling on the outside. Good ball actually went behind the corners. The corner was breaking out towards the numbers. Beautiful pass. Good zip. Way to kind of set set the mark for the day. At the 13.43 mark, Jake Springfield has a chip, but he gets beat. Thank goodness gracious, Ollie Gordon was there with a nice little assist to give Garrett Rengel a little bit more time. And then on the outside, you had a double stop and curl route with the tight end, Josiah Johnson, being out. And then you had uh, Dejon Stribling breaking in on a curl. Beautiful ball. He could have picked either option, went with a little bit of the deeper option, to Dijon Stribling, Dijon Stribling, boom, set up field. Very nice game. 12 minute and a 45 second mark. Very, very, very veteran move by Garrett Rengel. As soon as he saw the defensive lineman jump off sides, he went with a free snap. And he, even though he had a free play, could have went deep, he stayed with his progressions and uh, he, he went outside. And it was a very, very, very pretty pass. Let's see. Three-step drop. We had a leak route to Schultz, and while he was backpedaling, the objective there was to keep the linebacker honest, and he did. He kept the linebacker kind of more focused on Jake Schultz going out as opposed to uh, the turnaround by the wide receiver on the outside, Jaden Prey. 10-32 mark. This is, you know, partially on Garrett Rengel. But, guys, Cole Birmingham whiffed on the same block twice which forced Garrett Rangel to kind of backpedal and roll out left when that was not the idea. And then as he's rolling out left, Cole Birmingham misses the same guy again, which forces a, a funky throw. Now, I will say on this funky throw, he had the right idea. They were in a like a cover one look, right? Single high safety. 
and he saw the single high safety kind of breaking in to cover the outside to help with the bracket coverage, which left Luzon Stribling on the other side of the field up the hashes on a slow-go, slant-and-go route. He knew that there was nobody deeper than the the, the safety that was going to have to pick up the slow-go route by Luzon Stribling. So if the pass doesn't get batted, if Cole Birmingham doesn't miss the same block two times in a row, force Garrett Rangel manipulating outside of the pocket, it's probably a home run because you could see what he was reading, and the read was was 100% right. There was nobody deeper than the guy that, that Stribling was about to pass in the middle of the hashes on the slow-go route. But it was what it was. That's a play that Garrett probably needs to hang on to um, uh, next time. But I like what he was seeing. I liked what he was looking at. He saw what he needed to do to throw to the middle open of the field, which was the breaking design dribbling on a sluggo. It just it got tipped because Cole Birmingham screwed the pooch twice. 537 mark, 11 personnel grouping again, which is pretty good. You got Jaden Bray running the old school nine banger route. You got Brandon Presley on the in-breaking route with a trailing linebacker, and that linebacker got pushed outside of the box so far that we had two different options here. Garrett Rangel could have went with the underneath route, which you'll see a little bit later on as we talk about Gunnar Gundy, but he didn't. He decided to not go with the in-breaking route. He went with the the outside route, and uh, it worked very, very, very well for us because, you know, they had uh, he was reading the free safety, and he opens left immediately. As soon as he gets the ball, he opens his hits left. He's reading the free safety, and they have a man look, single high. As that dude breaks, he trails a little bit left, and then he turns right. Gunner Gundy throws a beautiful pass outside shoulder, outside the numbers to Dijon Stribling. They have a very, very good connection. 503 mark. He has to break contain, steps up in the pocket as opposed to getting crazy and going outside the pocket all the time, which was nice to see. It's nice to see him moving up into the pocket, especially when you do have some breakdown on the outside of you. But he steps up, and he has the opportunity to make one man miss potentially and get a 10, 12, 15-yard gain. But instead, he decides to square his body, square his shoulders, get to the numbers, dump it off, nice little dump off to the outside, and a very good pickup by Ollie Gordon. All right, four minute, 30 second, 11 personnel again. Nice little play action, but there's no bite because we didn't have the support of the running game in the first half. We did not get the running game going whatsoever. We didn't even look to attempt to more often than not. So, of course, they're not going to bite on a play action. But he did a good job because they didn't bite. He still went with the 12-yard curl on the outside of Jaden Bray because he saw that the coverage they were in gave him that, that gap. This is what I'm saying. I like what Garrett Rangel's looking at. He's not looking at dudes. He's looking at spots, but he's looking at spots predicated upon what the defense is giving him. Uh, 404 mark, cover one again, middle linebacker. My middle linebacker was playing to split the hatches. As soon as he turned his back to the quarterback to kind of get a check on what the tight end was doing on the outside of the hashes, Gary Rangel saw that. He had options. He had another open tight end, wide open tight end. You had the, the flat route uh, going out when it comes to the tight end. So he had multiple options, but he saw that middle linebacker turn his back to him, and he knew the outside linebacker was going to have to cover the other flat because of the route concepts we had going on the outside. So he took off, took off, got the first down. This is a veteran move from Garrett Rangel. He's not reading the field. He's not panicking. He's reading the defense, right? There's a big difference. 303 mark, 20 personnel grouping again with Burn Presley's 
split out as a running back, like we've seen a lot in the offseason with Arlen Bruce, which was nice to not see us, you know, scrap that stuff. Jaden Nixon being the other option. I like that we ran basically an RPO. RPO, your, uh, your run pass option, you're reading the defensive end. Defensive end crashes. As soon as he goes to crash, he still goes across the face with the play action to Jaden Nixon, and then a very flawless flip to BP. Third touchdown. And for everyone saying, well, duh, Cody, he only had to throw the ball like four yards. Of course it was easy. Go back and look at Spencer Sanders' film. Spencer Sanders messed up field, uh, plays in the backfield, throws in the backfield a lot. He threw on the back shoulder when you're trying to lead your receiver upfield in the backfield quite often. So for anybody who says that's a super easy pass, go look at Spencer Sanders. Go look at Taylor Cornelius. That is not an easy pass. That's a pass that a lot of guys find a way to screw up. Even though it's nice, easy, almost a flip, and only four or five yards away from your guy, he led him just perfect. And Leon Johnson did, in fact, miss a block on the outside. Kind of a Cole Birmingham situation. He missed the same guy twice, but BP was able to make a move because he was able to catch the ball in stride, which is exactly why something so minuscule is very important. Oh, I better get going here. Three or three. One thirty mark, first quarter. Eleven personnel once again. We got a wheel route with the the tight or the running back. We have an empty set, which I don't know that we we expected to see a lot of. Caught him in man coverage again. As soon as Garrett Rangel saw two linebackers accidentally go out to the flat and cover the same dude, he knew numerically the short side of the field was going to have some availability. Went through three progressions and hit Quentin Stewart in a little flare after Quentin Stewart chipped the defensive end. So he he kind of baited that linebacker, the tight end, uh, Quentin Stewart. He baited that linebacker, did the chip, still got to the outside on the flare route. And I like the fact that Garrett Rangel went through all the progressions here. Um, and he hit Stewart. Stewart had a big game. We could have hit the tight end so many times this game. Uh, 106 March. Third and 20, I don't like this. this. This I wasn't a big fan of. We don't like handing the ball up the gut on third and 20. Yeah, well, I'm not a, the biggest fan to a check down on third and 20 as well. He didn't go through progressions. He went with kind of what I would say the cheap, easy, lazy route, which is the check down, which we'll get to a little bit more. You know, kudos to Jay Nixon turning it upfield, making 18 yards out of the game, but I would like to see a little bit more of an aggressive tendency than that. I get that there's some vanilla. I get that it's only Central Arkansas. I don't get that we played like we were winning by 70 the whole game. But nonetheless, right, you, you got to be looking for perfection. And in order to be looking for perfection, ladies and gentlemen, you got to have the perfect fit in your rig to get to where you need to go on a daily basis to build a championship-level team. It's all about making sure that every player has a perfect fit, which we're still trying to work on, right? Obviously, it's the same when it comes to your rig. Every part needs to kind of fit right. The days of universal this and universal that aren't uh, so hot anymore. Next time you need parts or accessories, head to eBay Motors. With the eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part is, in fact, going to fit right the first time around. Just add your ride to the My Garage. Look for the green check to know that your part's going to fit or to chain your money back. Because just like in all of sports, confidence is the name of the game. When you shop eBay Motors with over 122 million parts to choose from, you're going to be back in the game in no time. It's super easy to bring home the W when the right parts fit and they're guaranteed. Get the right parts, get the right fit at the right prices on ebaymotors.com.
eBay Motors, guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items and, and exclusions do, in fact, apply. Again, go to ebaymotors.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, y'all. So now let's jump into some more of the quarterback thing that we had rocking and rolling. Now, here's the deal. What I'll say when it comes to Alan Bowman is he's going to get, again, we talked about yesterday, the short end of the stick, right? And going back and, and, and reviewing all of the film, that's kind of the same. He actually looked pretty good. He did throw off his back foot quite a few times, which I wasn't a big fan of. Uh, yeah, it's cool to show off your arm, but come on, man. He also dealt with the most drops. Wide receivers dropping passes that would have led to first downs that would have continued drives, which would which would have given him more opportunities. But we dropped the ball a few times, and he dealt with a few bad snaps. I mean, we had some bad snaps on the day, but for some reason, Alan Bowman got the worst of all three quarterbacks in regards to bad snaps. So I honestly don't think it's fair for us to come up with a, a full conclusion on Alan Bowman just yet. Of course, live. Live, it was like, okay, this is pretty clear that Alan Bowman is not QB1. But when you go back and look at the film, other than his his off-platform crap fest and him bailing out of the pocket unnecessarily, everything else looked pretty good. And we threw the ball a crap ton when he was in. We didn't give Garrett Rangel or Alan Bowman any help in establishing a game, right? Establishing exactly what you were going to do. When Gunnar Gunny was in the game, he had the benefit of having a nice little run game. When you go from three yards carry to 6.7 yards carry, that's going to help any quarterback, of course. But I'm not saying that Gunnar Gunny didn't earn his stripes. We're going to get to that. All right, so again, I just wanted to let it be known that Alan Bowman doesn't really get a fair evaluation here because he dealt with a bunch of bad snaps, quite a few uh, drop passes. Should he still be third? Yeah, but he... It's not like he was bad. All right, let's turn to Gunnar Gundy. 12 of 28 mark, four wide receivers had an underneath crosser to um, John Stribling. Sorry. Uh, a dump for three. He Oh, sorry. Four wide underneath. We had, we had a double crossing route with John Stribling and Brennan Presley. He instead decided to take the dump off. Uh, to the back, and if he leads, if he leads Jaden Nixon on this and he hits his front shoulder, probably a first down. He didn't miss the throw by much, but he did throw it to his back shoulder, which caused BP to slow down just a hair, kind of contort his body a little bit before he had to get upfield, which allowed the linebacker a little bit more time to kind of catch up to him. But it was a pretty good play, pretty good find, pretty good read, decent throw. He could have thrown him for a first down, but you know, all in all, we'll definitely take it. 12.07 mark. Another four-wide scenario. We've got Brennan Presley on a flag route. We've got Dazon Stribling on a stop, kind of a, a settling in the zone stop, not a pure stop where you get to five, turn around, break. It was more of a bend, 
But again, he was settling down on the zone. It was a good job by Gundy. One read, he anticipated where his, th- his throw needed to be, so he hit he hit him in stride. Pretty good job there, 11-32. I love that Gunnar Gundy went through all four progressions here. Eyes, eyes were on the cornerback and the safety immediately, and as soon as he gets the snap, he kind of contorts his hips a little bit. And he hits the underneath drag route to Brendan Presley once again. Now, you're reading, you're seeing a common theme here. The difference between Gunnar Gundy and the difference between Garrett Rangel is Garrett Rangel obviously took a little bit more chances. Gunnar Gundy played it a little bit safe, but he played it safe by manipulating his eyes and the free safety in the corner. So this is this is the growth from Gunnar Gundy and Garrett Rangel. Instead of just playing the game, instead of just playing the, the, the offensive play call, they're learning to manipulate and play the defenses. Uh, it's obviously amazing. Uh, 10 of 47, Mark 11 personnel once again. I like the fact that we pulled the tight end and the right guard a decent amount. And then we had Dazon Stribling going out in motion to pull that defensive end to come out with him, which worked absolutely flawlessly. And I will say this, Gunnar Gunny is really good at selling his naked bootlegs. Like, he freezes the defensive ends every time he does it, which, again, gives our running backs a little bit more of a crease. And when you're trying to freeze somebody like a David Walker, kind of a big deal. So, again, props to Gunnar Gundy here. He sold his naked bootlegs very, very well, kept the defensive ends frozen. And when you're pulling your tight ends, you're pulling your guards, and you've got a lead blocker at a wide receiver, things are typically going to work pretty well, as they did here with a, a touchdown up the gut. 835, Mark 11 personnel once again. Three three wide with an offset tight end. We have an overload to the short side of the field. <laughs> we had a chip by uh, uh, Braden Cassidy, and then we had a free release on the outside by Blaine Green to get up to the linebacker, which he did, in fact, do. Looks like a cover two look with the free safety and strong safety, only eight yards off the ball. So, again, this is another time where Gunner Gundy learns to manipulate the defense and knows what he has. If you have an overload to the short side of the field and you're in a cover two look, even if you're in a, a man look, and you've got your free safety and your strong safety only eight yards back, like that's a recipe for disaster. Anytime, anywhere, for any team. You're going to get burnt deep, and that's exactly what happened. And that was the pass of the game, which was that beautiful, beautiful drop in the bucket on the outside to Jaden Bray, but not only that, the throw was flawless. There was no BS, no wasted motion. He saw exactly where the free safety and strong safety were, so he knew before he even got the ball that if those two dudes didn't bail instantaneously, they were going to get beat over the top, and that's what happened. And again, just like Garrett Rangel, he threw that fade to the other side of the field that is on dribbling. Perfect throw. He made his reads. He went back shoulder in between the numbers and the and the outside which obviously wasn't going to give the free safety trailing enough of enough room. Gunnar Gunny does the same thing here, other side of the field. And an equally good throw. I would argue maybe even a little bit better throw because he caught he caught uh, BP in, in stride going up the, the numbers. That free safety had no shot. Good tackle by the corner, though, because if he doesn't cat tackle him, Jaden Bray is definitely walking into the end zone. Beautiful deep shot. Beautiful deep shot. Good nine bang route over the shoulder. I loved it. All right, 732 Mark 11 personnel once again. If you have Ollie Gordon in the backfield and you sell it this well, I got to give Gunner Gunny these props, man. I really do. All right, uh, 629 Mark. 
Looked like a 26 power without a lead. You could consider the, the fullback tight end thing as a little bit of a lead. High snap. He did a very good job dealing with the high snap. And as soon as he came down with the ball, he was already bailing, rolling out of the, the pocket left. Now, this is one of the times I was okay with because it wasn't a scramble situation where he just read a couple reads and bounced. He knew what he had on the opposite side of the field. So he knew that as soon as the, the ball was snapped, his eyes had to go off of the defensive end, obviously because he had to jump and catch the ball. But as he's jumping to catch the ball, he knows, based on the coverage, based on the defense, based on the short side of the field, that he's pretty sure as soon as he lands back on the ground, he's only got one dude to beat, and that's the outside, outside contain guy. And this case was David Walker. And good job, Gunnar Gundy made the right decision. He did break uh, contain. He did prevent David Walker from getting him down. Runs it all the way down to the, the two-yard line. Love the fire. Love the excitement. Great blocking by the wide receivers. Jaden Bray lo locked his man up, and he had nowhere to go. It was it was actually pretty fun to see Jaden Bray mix it up out there. 5.58, Mark 20 personnel again. Another cross-face situation. This time it's Braden Cassie coming underneath to kind of freeze that outside linebacker, Ollie Gordon, right up the gut again. I liked it. They blitzed a decent amount. They blitzed us a, a, a decent amount. Defensively, we got burnt a lot on backside action last year. It got us again this game. So that's one thing from last season to this season. Defensively, in one game, didn't improve at all. Teams you know, shifting everything one way and then bringing the play back the other way. Naked bootlegs. You have a backside drag with a tight end that'll do a chip or he'll go up and he'll pretend to block tight end for a split second. Or, or linebacker, sorry. That stuff killed us. K-State mastered it. KU did it to us. TCU did it to us a decent amount. So if I'm a defensive coordinator or offense coordinator, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing all the time on Oklahoma State because eye candy was too much for us. We over-pursued a lot. And our linebackers look way worse, way worse on film than live. I know that the linebacker depth is better, but I put my foot in my mouth occasionally, and I'll admit I did a video the other day, and I said Colin Oliver's probably better than Mason Cobb. Mm -mm. I was wrong. I will apologize. At least not this game. Our linebackers did not look very good at all. Nick Martin stood out, but he also over-pursued a lot. Xavier Benson got caught in the hogwash a lot, which was exactly his problem last season. So that, that wasn't a good sign. In this game, you saw a lot of Xavier Benson tendencies pop back up from last season. Not a good sign. Jeff Robertson looked good. But he over-pursued quite a bit. Defensive line got a lot of pressure. Missed tackles upon missed tackles upon missed tackles. Goodness gracious. The emphasis on physicality was awesome this offseason. It was absolutely amazing to see this go-to-work, go-to-work, punch-you-in-the-mouth mentality. We lose it in game one, though. Like I, that, that, that part of it, I still can't get over, especially defensively. When we said, we're going to make mistakes. Okay, and you're okay with people making mistakes at 135 miles an hour. 
but you didn't see a lot of that, right? I expected Trey Rucker to make some mistakes, but be doing it because he was just playing with some reckless abandon. Not just flat getting beat in the flats. Colin Oliver didn't do much at all. He blitzed a handful of times. And when he did blitz, I got to give a a shout-out and hats off to uh, Will McElvain. Their quarterback was really, really, really good about exploiting the areas that we blitz from. And that's exactly what you want to do as a quarterback. If you blitz from the left side, more often than not, you're going to want to get it to that receiver, right? So you want to throw into the vacated zone. And their quarterback was very good at that. Um, let's see. O-line. You, I, I'll say Jason Queso Brooks and Joe Mahalski looked pretty good. I mean, I got to give some props to Joe Mahalski. I gave him a little bit of crap yesterday, but, but he wasn't bad. He was better than Taylor Materko. Um, uh, Jason Queso Brooks looked really good. Jake Springfield got beat, but then he got hurt. So you don't know. Dalton Cooper got beat quite a bit. That's not that was not a very encouraging sign. Cole Birmingham got whipped and owned. Not a very encouraging sign. Quite a bit. But interior O line actually didn't look too bad. Now, as it, it 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 shakes out, all right. Here's my synopsis on the quarterback situation. Did Gunner Gunny do enough to start in Tempe? Yes. Absolutely no questions. Sure. But was he the best quarterback on the day? No. He was not. He ran the offense a little bit smoother, you could say. But, I mean, if Alan Bowman gets the benefit of our running backs rushing for almost seven yards of carry, what does his stats look like? Same with Gary Rangel. If we decide we're going to put an emphasis on developing and establishing the run game, does Garrett throw as often? Probably not. Does Alan Bowman's numbers look like they do? Probably probably not. I mean, it, it was spread even, guys. Garrett Rangel got 21 snaps. He was 10 for 15, 118 yards. Touchdown, three, three, uh, three rushes, 18 yards. Threw the one pick on some, you know, crap that happens. Alan Bowman, 18 plays, would have got more if we would have established the run a little bit more. His stat line, not very good, 13-24, only for 80 yards. He did uh, help us with a couple field goals. Gunnar Gundy, 7 of 9, 1 of 6. So, Gunnar Gundy, he had two yards or two rushes for 20 yards. So, Gunnar Gundy got the benefit, again, of the running game. He got the benefit of the offensive line, you know, kind of getting some things ironed out. So, what, what would I do? Kind of, I kind of said it yesterday. I still think that the quarterback of the day, after watching film twice and highlights multiple times, it's still Garrett Rangel. He was the better quarterback. He handled the game the best. He went through his progressions the best. Gunnar Gundy, I would you could say ran the offense better. You know, but. He got a good, he got a good running game, so it kind of makes it difficult. I would start Gunnar Gundy in Tempe, one hundred percent. 
because you don't know until you see it. And if they're if we're gonna wait until the second half to get the running game started, yeah, start the kid who can run a little bit. I'm fine with that. Start Gunner, right? And then end with uh, Garrett. Let, let squeeze Bowman in the middle again, or I mean, I don't know. Start you could start Bowman, but I don't want to start passing like that. So if we're if we're gonna start the the game in Arizona State, based off exactly what we did this game, which is not what we've been really preparing for, then you got to start Gunner. Because if you don't rush the ball effectively until the fourth quarter with Gunner in, then you got to roll a Gunner. You got to start the game with a rushing attack. If you don't think that you can start the game and build the rushing attack with Garrett Rengel, with Alan Bowman, which I think is preposterous, just just to put it out there, but if you do think that, as a coach, then you got to start Gunnar Gundy. You have to. If you feel like he's your best weapon to get the running game started, then that's the guy you start. I think Garrett Rangel is the better quarterback of the three. I think Garrett Rangel had the most complete game as a quarterback. Gunnar Gundy had maybe the best game as leading the team. And Alan Bowman didn't really get a fair shake because he dealt with a bunch of bad snaps and a few inopportune drops. I think we should all take some solace in this, though. All three quarterbacks will win us seven games. So we're still hammering the over. And the defense was super vanilla. We didn't blitz all that often. When we did blitz, the quarterback was really good about uh, figuring out where to go and what to do about it. So hats off. Jaden Rashada is a beast. Now we get to start working on Arizona State preparation, which is fun. Can't wait to get into some of that stuff. I uh, didn't get to do my, oh, Big 12 Power Rankings. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's see. What did I write them down? Uh, oh, here we go. All right. K-State did what they were supposed to do. And they put a goose egg on the scoreboard defensively, which is kind of hard to do against anybody. Put up 45 points. Will Howard put his Superman cape on, ran for a touchdown, rushed, uh, rushed for a touchdown, caught a touchdown, threw a couple touchdowns. Good job. K-State's definitely number one for me. Number two, hurts my heart and soul to say it, but it's got to be the Boomer Gooners. OU did what you're supposed to do. And Arkansas State isn't a terrible squad. Arkansas State versus Central Arkansas would be a pretty decent game. I mean, I, I do think Central Arkansas would win. But OU did what they were supposed to do. They ran over Arkansas State like they were standing still. They looked good on all, all phases. They got 73, 74 dudes in the game. Good job, Reventables. Number three, also hurts my heart to say, Texas. Rice isn't, you know, great, but they're also not completely terrible. And Texas did shut it down after Quinn Ewers threw for almost 300. So they kind of took their foot off the gas there at the end of the game. So it is what it is. Um, now is where it gets a little fun for me. Number four has got to be KU. KU looked like the KU of last year with a little bit better defense. Offensively, they looked better, and all three phases of the game, they looked improved, and they put an absolute curb stomping on an opponent 
with the backup quarterback in most of the game and Jimmy Bean. And Jimmy Bean has proven a couple different times now that he's not just a backup that you throw in and say, oh, goodness gracious, hope we can hold on. Jimmy Bean's a backup that you got to pay attention to because the dude runs like a 4-4-40. So if you're not paying attention, he will bust it on you. He's got a decent arm. He understands the offense. He's a big believer in KU. He's willing to play his part to the T. you got, you got to give it to KU. Number five, big jump. Big, big, big jump. I am sorry for throwing so much shade at Cincinnati. The Bearcats probably don't have the two deep yet. They'll probably tell you that it's as well. But when it comes to offensive firepower and explosiveness, they have that. They definitely have that. So I underestimated the offensive prowess of Cincy, maybe off of what I saw Arizona State quarterback do last year. Who knows? I don't know. But yeah, got, you got to give hats off. This obviously could change, but uh, yeah, offensively, Cincinnati showed up, showed out. They were ready to rock and roll. Number six, another one. Uh, guys, I, I do think these power rankings are obviously going to change quite a bit, but right now you got to give it to the Central Florida Golden Knights. And I said that on purpose because they hate being referred to as the Golden Knights because they dropped the Golden, I guess, a long while back. They handle business. Good job, Gus Malzahn. John Rush Plumley did your job, did what you're supposed to do. Pretty productive. I'll take it. I like it. Followed another. Followed by them as another newbie to me in Houston. Texas State should not have been such a challenge, but they were. Guys, we knew that UTSA was going to be a challenge to Houston. I think a lot of us probably had UTSA either winning that game or, or taking it to a couple different overtimes. So hats off to Donovan Smith, former Texas Tech Red Raider, and the Fighting Danas down in Houston. You had a, actually a good win. You had one of the best wins in the conference, beating a pretty solid UTSA squad. So hats off to Houston. I'll put you at seven here. Number eight, Iowa State Cyclones. They got a lot of crap going on. They got quite a few starters out. They still managed to put up a 30-burger and hold the opposing team to under, uh, under two touchdowns. Pretty impressive feat. Good job, Iowa State. Not, not, not bad. Number nine, I have our Cowboys. Do I believe in them more? Yes. Do I know that we did what did with the scripting hurt us tremendously? Yes. Do I know that we had a couple massive trunk plays called back that hurt us as well? Sure. But it was Central Arkansas. I don't care that they've got some talent. I don't care that they've got a couple dudes that we know can potentially play later on in life. I don't care. We should have out them in every facet of the game. We did not do that. That's why we are this low. Uh, right below us, I do have TCU. Colorado proved offensively they can hang with anybody, bang with anybody, play with anybody. They're going to be a little bit of a snafu for teams in the pack. BYU barely got by, didn't look great. Defense looked pretty good. Offense looked really, really rough. Keaton Slovis got his first rushing touchdown of his life. That's cool in college. But other than that, didn't do much. Number 12, you got the Reckham Taco Tech Red Raiders. Wyoming's pretty good. That's the only reason I have Texas Tech above West Virginia is because Wyoming's not a bad ball club. Still, that's that's a black eye for the Big 12. And with all the momentum you had, all the success in recruiting recently, all the hype built up in Lubbock, you cannot afford to lose that game. I don't care that Wyoming is decent. It, it shouldn't happen, can't happen, but it did happen. I do have them above West Virginia, but West Virginia at number 13. They look decent at times, but. Neil Brown's just not the answer. Neil Brown's not the guy. 
Garrett Green's probably not the guy either. Maybe it's just time to accept whatever this season is and go full Nico Markiel mode. Don't know. Um, number 14 is obviously Baylor. That can't happen. Shouldn't happen. It's ugly. It's a terrible loss. Worst black eye on the Big 12 by far. Dave Aranda, your stock is plummeting downward, sir. The move to keep Blake Shapin and let Gary, Jerry, Gary, Jerry, whatever his name is, Bohannon bounce, bad move, bad look, and it's showing up in a big way. All right, y'all. Now that's actually it. You know I love you. Sorry this one went a little long. God bless. Go Pokes. But we love our film study. All right, y'all. Appreciate you tuning in to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. Later, taters.